0: Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it, because we can't move forward until the truth is known. Hey, it's Educator Barnes here, and my topic today is giving back to ignite your flame. I've talked a lot about teacher burnout. I'm going to be in a book coming up soon that that's going to be released from the Educators Room early 2020, where I read a chapter about when I faced teacher burnout and some solutions I gave. But one of the solutions that's not in that book and I haven't really talked about is giving back. And the first time I really talked about it was uh, about a week or so ago for NEK-12. I wrote a piece called Teachers Need Mentors Too. And I talked about how it's important as a veteran educator like myself to have mentors, but also it's important for me as a veteran educator to mentor other people. And then I really thought about this giving back piece. But this giving back piece came from a program I did with my husband from a church we used to attend. Um, and currently I, uh, I attend a church. I've been attending a church for a year, it's not the ch- uh, but I'm not a member of this church. Last year, I believe it was like around December 31st, 2018, I released a piece on my website, educatorbarns.com, called To My Church, Thank You, Next. And I had attended the church for almost a decade, and I was, we were just done. And I say we because, um, the piece I wrote pissed off a lot of people, and it made a lot of people glad. But I always tell people, the people that were pissed at me, because there's a there's strong narrative out there that we left our church, Emmanuel Missionary Baptist Church, our former church, because of me. And what's interesting is I told my husband, I write, he said, I 100% you writing, uh, support you writing your view. But remember, I just said, I said your view. If people would have spoken to my husband, they would have learned the reason we stayed so long was because of me. If it was up to my husband and not like I'm controlling him, but that's not what I'm trying to say. But if my husband was going to quote unquote put his foot down, we wouldn't have made it as long as we had. Because as my husband says, nobody really asked me what I think. They were still caught up in you and me getting you quote unquote under control, which is part of the reason I left. Because, I mean, I'm sorry, it's hard for me to be at a church that's attempting to emasculate my husband because he's not quote unquote keeping me in line. I mean, hell, I'm not gonna marry a man who's gonna keep me in line. Like there is no keeping me in line. Like what? What is that? But anyway, while we we're at this church, they had this program called D Free, um, which was created by Doctor De- um, DeForest, uh, Doctor DeForest Buster Stories, and he is uh, he used to be the I believe the Secretary of State um, in New Jersey, and then he had a, has a church. And he's going to retire, I believe, in 2020. So after 30 years, he's going to retire. And he created this program. And the, the D stands for No Debt, No Delinquency, No Deficit. And at the time, I had just had my twin boys in 2011. And then we signed up for the program, I believe, in 2012, the next year. It could have been that later that same year. I don't really recall. All I know, we were in debt. And not debt of our own making. My father was really, when I was a kid, um, about probably when I was around 12 or 13, my dad worked the second shift and my dad taught me really how to do a budget. He would leave all the bills out on the coffee table. I would open the bills. I would write the checks out of his checkbook. I would leave them there and he would come and check them to see if I did them correctly. If they were correct, I would get to put the check and like the bill into the envelope, seal it, stamp it, put our address on it and leave it for him to take. The reason my father had me do this because he was teaching me how to manage money. So it wasn't a situation where we were in debt because we were mismanaging money. We were always paying our bills on time. We weren't late. But if you know my story, you know I struggled with infertility. And it took us a lot of infertility treatments to have our boys. And then I ended up on bed rest for four months, two at home and two in the hospital. During the time I was in the hospital, I'm racking up medical bill. My boys were still born. At seven and a half months so that was 30 weeks uh two days they were born and So they spent each spent two months in the hospital so that's two months of hospital bill for me two months for james two months for jeremiah that's six months of medical bills and if you don't know how it works they do not care what your story is they do not care who else in your family got medical bills at the same time go so to three out of the four of us have medical bills they like we want our money this bill is due today right and so we signed up for this program, not because we were mismanaging our money. We're, we signed up for the like the, kind of like the Hail Mary. Like maybe they'll tell us something that'll help us get out of this medical debt. So they did. So one of the things we ended up doing, I asked my father and I had like after I had moved out of my parents, I didn't ask my parents for nothing. Right. Because I wanted to be a strong, independent black woman. Right. I asked my father, would he pay my mom and dad? Um, would they pay for child care for one of my son's? For a whole year so we could use that money to pay up down this debt and my dad like I told you he taught me how to manage my money because my uh, father truly believed in a man it's not a plan he wanted me to be independent and self-sufficient um, he didn't want me to depend on anyone he wanted me like if he him and my mom died tomorrow that i would be straight right so he was like if that's what y'all trying to do I'll pay for it." so that helped and so we Started using that to pay um, that extra money that he was paying towards my one son. were put on the bill at the end of the class. Now, with the first class, we ended up um, being the couple that paid off the most debt. And then we get got awarded five hundred dollars. We got to meet Dr. Stories. All this stuff happened. Right. And then we ended up started teaching the classes in the program. You're sort of like a doctor's way of life, like this deep free way of life. But the last step is giving back, helping others achieve what you achieved. And so I think about that and I correlate that back to teaching. This is my 14th year as an educator. And one of the ways I've kept myself going forward is helping other educators stay in the fight, stay in the game. Not hit that five year roadblock and just pop off and be like, I'm done. The first way I started doing this is when I was paying off the debt, it took us about three years to pay off all the medical debt. Because even though our insurance company paid oh, around 85%, we still owed the rest. And if you do the math, uh, 15% of six months of medical bills is a hell of a lot. Okay, <laughs> And remember, I'm an educator, so it wasn't like I was bringing in the dough. And even though my husband has a decent paying job. Shoot, we had thing we wanted to do. So, I mean, we gave up a lot of stuff to do that. I ended up talking to one of the professors. because I was, uh, did my, my master's. I actually completed my master's shortly after I had my boys. So, had my boys in 2011. completed my master's in 2012. I reached out to a professor after I got my master's. I said, hey, can you send me some of these resources? She said, why don't you interview to teach this one class you took with me? So, I showed up to the interview. number i my my son will tell you i my color palette is gray black and white look i have other stuff in my closet like i got some turquoise and some purple pink and red but he's right i read that all was black gray and white but that's not the point but when i want to be extra cute i sometimes put on a dress right and we moved into a new house size little side story. we moved into our, our new house and our master does not have a walk-in closet. And my husband, like, where are all the clothes going to go? Actually, it's like, where are his clothes going to go? But that's a whole other story for another time. I said, babe, this cool. I'm just going to put my dresses in our walk-in closet. Because we have a walk-in closet in the basement. I'll put my dresses down there. So I don't really wear dresses unless I'm going on a date with my husband because he loves to see me in a dress. And no, I'm obliged to do. Um, if I'm going on an interview. And then when I go to my mama's church sometimes. Like, I know I can come to the Lord's house in pants. Like, I know straight up. But sometimes it's just not worth it. Because you know how, you, if, you, if you black and you go to one of those old traditional churches, you know that sometimes there are just some people that are going to say something when you come in the church and you're female in pants. Like, it just bothers people. And sometimes I just pull on the daggone dress because I don't have to hear nobody's mouth. So those are the three occasions where I typically wear a dress. But for this interview, I was like, man, I'm not going to get this. I'm just going to show up there in my work clothes. I should, I didn't even have makeup on my face, not do a leash, try to do my little face, right? I go in there, I leave, I'm like, it is what it is. The lady's like, I absolutely, you were great, I would love you to come teach this class. I was like, what the hell? I was like, fine. So I was like, you know what, fine. I'll go and teach this class, right? But I thought to myself, I I'm probably not going to go so well. I still try, like I didn't go in there and just not try. I'm like, but this is college, that's different than to your middle school. They liked me. So I did it for five years actually. I did five years at that uh, college and then I switched over to another uh university in Indy for a year and then I took a break because I'm currently working on my um I'm currently in a doctoral program, so I can't be doing I can't be teaching graduate level courses and taking that. That was just doing uh too much. But that was my first opportunity to give back because I was teaching a class called psycholinguistics for reading teachers K through twelve and These were either juniors and seniors who were, uh, you know, close to becoming teachers or they were teachers that went back for their master because it was, it was a hybrid class, um, that was an undergraduate slash graduate course. And it, it really revitalized me. Even though like having class every Tuesday from 6 to 8.40 was like a little draining after being at work all day with middle schoolers, I was excited to go to campus on Tuesday to talk to these educators to get them pumped up about education. And it made me like, Oh, my goodness, like these people are coming into the profession. And a lot of them I've stayed in contact with. Actually, one of the students that was in my very first class ended up working at a school uh, with me and I actually helped her get another job. And that's one of the things I had always promised my students. I said, if you take a class with me, if you ever need help looking for a job, resume, you can reach out to me. And she said, hey, is that offer still good? I said, yeah, I keep my word. And that's one of the ways I give back. Um by by teaching, I'm not teaching now. I, I mean, I taught college courses for six years straight. Um, that's a lot. The other thing I do, and then I transition into coaching teachers and so that's my job right so I'm getting paid to do that. But what I wasn't getting paid for is keeping these relationships moving forward. I coached teachers at two different schools. And when I went to the next school, I stayed in contact with a lot of the teachers from the first school. Some of them I'm still in contact with today. And, just, and it's just the little things like saying, hey, you can text me anytime. Like troubleshooting a uh, situation they're having. Or looking over a lesson plan. Or during a break, maybe having a coffee or uh, a lunch or dinner or brunch with them just to catch up. And sometimes we talk about education stuff, sometimes we just talk about life because the one thing I realized becoming a teacher coach, <laughs> whatever you're coaching, whether it's literacy, math, whatever, you want to find out real quick that you are not just teaching that. You are coaching three separate things. You are coaching the academic piece that you're allegedly supposed to be coaching. You're a life coach, that's the second piece, and then you're doing, dealing with some classroom management and politics stuff, right? That stuff don't go away. So one third of your job is actually coaching whatever you're supposed to be coaching. And so a lot of what I kept doing is almost kind of like life coaching, just being that person on the side. And sometimes that was like having a hard conversation with a teacher because if I'm coaching you for a job, my job is to make you the best teacher you can be or do the paperwork to have you fired. And that's just me being completely honest. And anybody who's ever worked with me, whether as a colleague, we're fellow teachers, um, as a coach, Um, you know that I'm about the business when it comes to documentation. I do not play with that. And so I document everything. I document what I'm doing. I document how you are progressing or not progressing. And that's my job. And so when it gets to the point where I'm not getting paid to coach you anymore, we're still having conversations, then I can be really honest. I can, and I'm honest when I'm coaching, but I can be a different type of honest. Like if I'm coaching you. I can't be saying up in August like, look, this school isn't for you. Education is for you. You need to hit the road, Jack. That's, I can't be saying that in August, even though in my brain I'm thinking in August. I don't know. Or in August, I'm told by the principal that I want that you are the person the principal wants out. And they show me all this documentation because just like with kids, a lot of times we talk about what this kid has done in the past few years. Principals do the same thing with teachers. They tell you your whole story. Um, school I was at last year, I learned stuff about uh, teachers there. And I was just in the data library from the principal school. Almost every school I've been at, the principals told me something about some other teachers. Right. So they have ideas. They have these preconceived notions about teachers, whether they're they're good or bad. Right. And so they have a vision. But if it's my job to help you get better, my job is either to prove that principal wrong and be like, no, you a damn good teacher or like, man, shh, I see what they're talking about. Because a lot of times teachers do not get fired, not because they don't deserve to get fired. It's because the person didn't do the paperwork. And I said to a principal one time, I said, I don't understand why this person is here. Not only did I th- think this um, teacher was a bad teacher and did not understand content, I thought the teacher was borderline dangerous to students. And uh, if you know me, if I ever think you're a danger to students, I report what you do because I don't play. And I re- I, <laughs> I remember I reported somebody who wasn't a teacher, just assistant. And that person did not speak to me. Uh, it happened around March. I reported on this person. This didn't person speak to me in the, the week. And I'm like, I'm not I don't I don't give a damn about your feelings. I really I don't because I'm here for the kids. And if you're doing stuff that's not safe. If you're doing stuff that's not professional. I'm going to bring you to the carpet. And I, and I told the person, I told the person, I said, you're not supposed to be doing this. This is wrong. And now that I it, I'm not going down with you. I'm reporting this. And I told the person, I said, it would be in your best interest to report yourself. God, tell you before I leave this campus today, I'm reporting what you're doing. Told the person that. They thought I was just like being out of pocket. I, when it comes to kids, because I, this is what I think about. If this was my child. Would I want someone who saw this to say something? That's what I think about. And so I don't care about being your friend because at the end of the day, me or you being friends don't have nothing to do with my progress or being held back. You don't know. I I tell people I I firmly believe that no person can hold me back from my destiny of what I'm supposed to do. No person. And for some reason, people think they got some type of control or strength over you. They don't do you. You are in control of that. Don't let someone think they got, got this control over you. And so, when I meet with these educators outside, I'm really honest with them. And a couple of the, uh, uh, educators, I directly coached them out of teaching. I said, this is not for you. And I will tell you, I'm thinking about two right now, like them leaving teaching was the best thing. Not just for the students, because, if I'm coaching out of teaching, a lot of times it's because you're not, you're not, you're not helping students, but you're all, you, the, the, the bad side is you're actually hurting students. Like, we don't need you in the classroom. Like, i like, one teacher, I, thought, I said, I wouldn't put you in front of my kids. And then, and heck, if you know me, you know, my standard for my, my children are high. And I'm really honest. There's teachers that my son's had that I like. And there's teachers that my son's had. That I was like, mm, I don't even, I don't even know. I don't even know why you think you're good. And, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I've been really honest with them. I said, this is not for you. If you're going home crying every day, if you feel like the only way you can get kids to comply is bribing them with food, if you're stressed out, you better check yourself into a um, mental uh, uh, institution. This may not be for you. And for your own safety, your well-being, and for the student's safety and well-being, you need to bounce. And so being that person it, it, to help people walk through that, and like the, the two people I'm thinking about right now, they're so happy right now. They're doing something else. And if you are uh, educated, don't feel like you're a failure because we make thousands of decisions every day. We orchestrate a whole schedule for other people. There are a lot of skills that educators have that are transferable to other jobs. And then I think about the teachers that I'm coaching to stay in the profession and just hearing about their growth. And just talking about a lot of times, you know. I'll tell them what I've done, or I talk them through the situation, or what I would do, or I help them process. Because there's two types of coaching. Like, yeah, I can give you an example, of example from my life, but that may not work for you. Sometimes I need to listen and ask you questions to guide you to that spot, and that keeps me. Re, uh, revitalized that keeps me like feeling like I'm doing something that's valuable because some days you go in and you go out and you're not feeling like you're valued but to know that you're impacting another educator and that educator is going to a school and impacting other students you feel that and that's like a little piece that can keep you going another way you can give back is giving back to the community I am very big on living in the community where you teach I um with the exception of my first year in the classroom, I have worked and taught in Indianapolis. That's where I live and that's where I teach. Now you're probably saying, but well, hey, Indianapolis is a pretty big city, so you could still live in a community and I live it. That's tr- true true. I-, I hear you. We'll slow you roll. I live on the northwest side of Indy and I've only worked on either the west side or the northwest side, which means if I go to a restaurant, if I go to a store, if my students haven't moved away because I have students who are parents and are married and have graduated from college, I run into students all the time. There are restaurants I go to. Where my servers are quite frequently my students, if they see me come in, they request to do my table, even if my table's not in that section, which is pretty cool because, look, I'm going and y'all give me extra chips, slide Mrs. Barnett, extra drink. I feel y'all. I appreciate y'all. I mean, it's the least you can do for me giving y'all a good education, okay? <laughs> but But seriously... <laughs> No, but really, I do appreciate the free stuff. Cause once again, we still I'm still on the t- on the educated salary. So no, all the free stuff I can get, that's great. But it's just, I love being in the community. And I, I give back in ways of, if I can volunteer my time for something. So if that's volunteering at a community event, if that's volunteering at a church that my students attend, if it's helping out with something uh, that they're interested in, maybe they're trying to do something. And they're like, well, Mrs. Barnes, can you help us? Write up uh, the flyer. Can you proofread the flyer for us? Or can you come and speak to these kids at this uh, uh, at this program and give them some... I try to do that because there's teaching in the classroom, right? And then there's teaching outside of the classroom. And you never know what those ripple effects are. And those ripple effects will come back and help revitalize you. I can't tell you how many times I've done something and I just didn't even think I didn't think about how those ripple effects would come back to me. I had a student one time that I didn't even know at the time. They were a way younger uh, sibling of a student I knew who asked me to come do something. And the student was like, I remember you talking and it just really influenced me. And I was just like, wow. So you just never, you just never know. Just put, 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 put yourself out there because when that student came back to me, the student, I didn't even know, you know, cause they're a younger sibling of another student. And that student told me this. I was that was like a time where I was like struggling. That's where I was like about to hit that burnout wall. And so it was just great, just uh, just to hear to say, hey, like you, you influence me, and no, you shouldn't give back just so you could feel good. But there's nothing wrong with feeling good because a lot of times in the profession, we feel beat up as educators. We feel that a lot of situations are out of our control. We feel like our job is to do what the district says, to do what the principal says, to do what our department chair says, to do what our team leader says. We feel like we don't ever have a voice. But this is the one area where you can take control. of. You can be in charge. You can be the big boss. You decide what you're going to do because I assert if we have more people in the profession giving back to help the profession and to help students, help the community, help other educators, it will make a big impact. It will make this profession better because we're not, I mean, teachers burn out because of situations that are in their control, you know, choosing not to leave early, choosing not to say no. But also the other reason people burn out is because they feel like they're on the island. They feel like nobody gets them. Nobody's reaching out to them, throwing them a life jacket. And being a person who I feel like I'm on the other side of burnout, I need to be. I need to be aware of when that's happening to others and be willing to help to be willing to say, hey, you're not in this by yourself. Hey, you're not alone. Hey, I've been there. Hey, I can help you. Hey, do you just want to talk or do you want to vent or do you just not want to say anything? Just know I'm here. And those little sparks, you know, maybe it makes you feel important, maybe it makes you feel loved, maybe it makes you feel valued. Those little sparks, those are the things that can keep you going when the going gets rough because you are remembering, like, I am somebody, I mean something. I'm making a difference. I am important. I'm helping other educators because helping other educators also helps you. Students have more than one teacher. You're just one teacher they have in the span of many teachers they have. And we know that for students to be successful over the course of years, they have to have a strong teacher after strong teacher after strong teacher. A teacher that's well taken care of after another teacher that's well taken care of after another teacher that's well taken care of. of. And if we're having teachers that are running on films, that's not good for, for students, because we, we have to be the role model for self-care. We have to be the role models of regulation. We can't be burning out and, and fizzling right there before our students' eyes. So I've talked about, you know, teaching, and I uh, know at the beginning of this and maybe everybody can't go teach a college course. But maybe you will go and teach how to do a lesson. One of the things I do sometimes is explain how to teach something. Explain how to, hey, have you thought about showing this video clip when you do similes and metaphors? Or, hey, do you think about using uh, this acronym when you're teaching writing? That's like a little small way that that could take the burden off of someone to help their lesson not go to crap and they're kicking kids out because everything just fell apart, right? But it's also a a way to, to give back. Because I always believe if you figure something out and you're able to press on and move ahead, you should reach that hand back and pull somebody forward. And not only is it good for that person, but it's good for you. And it's also building those teacher leadership skills. So if you are interested in climbing a quote unquote educator ladder to who knows where, uh, because it gets harder and harder as you go up, you're working those muscles. You're working out those teacher leadership skills. And this is a different perspective on teacher uh, burnout, because a lot of times I talk about what you need to do for you. I talk about being selfish. Do you take care of you. But this time I'm talking about how can you extend the hand out and help somebody else up? Because sometimes when we're going through the darkness or going through the darkest days, one of the ways that we can get through is helping someone else get through at the same time. Hopefully this has been helpful. I will be back with one last podcast uh, next week to wrap up 2019 so until next week